How's everyone feeling tonight? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll see if we can. Uh, we'll see if we can up that at all. Uh, it is so good to have you all here. Um, stoked that you've uh, either come back to youth or if you're here checking it out for the first time, you are more than welcome to be here. Uh, I'm not 100% sure what Tree's talking about when she says or rip a message. I don't know if she means my pants or farts, but I don't know exactly what she's talking about. Let's hope it's neither of those, right? Okay, so camp reunion, we're all friends here, apart from there's at least one new person here tonight, which is awesome, so make sure you're at camp next year, but we're all friends here, so I'm going to jump straight in. I've got a very difficult question to ask you guys first up in my message. Who here had an awesome time at Camp No Fear? Me too, me too. Uh, I did say we were going to jump in though. So I've got another question. You don't actually have to answer it, but you can if you want, I guess. Here's the question. Have any of you, like in the last sort of week and a little bit, going back to school, have you like started to sense the camp high fading a little bit? In like the last, <laughs> the crying face. <laughs> the reunion was supposed to make it better, but I still miss camp. The camp experience is awesome, obviously, and many of us have what I would call mountaintop stories in our faith journeys, right? Where like camp is like one of those mountaintop kind of experiences where like, you know, you just feel really close to Jesus and you're in that really encouraging environment and it's all going on and it's, it's hyped up and it's pumped. That's a mountaintop experience. Does that make sense to everybody? Many of us have like valley stories in life, right? Which is like the opposite of the mountaintop experience. It's when like nothing is going right. But I don't actually really want to talk about either of those things tonight. What I actually want to talk about tonight is what I'm going to call the flat road. And that's the flat road that we're on when we're in between mountaintop experiences and valley experiences. Because mountaintop experiences aren't bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking down about this stuff. Mountaintop experiences are amazing. They serve as reminders. I know my mountaintop uh, moments, they remind me of the, the living and vibrant and supernatural and awesome God who we love. And we have to keep those as markers, especially for when we're in a valley experience to remember what God is actually, you know, actually like. And of course, when we're in valley experiences, that's really tough too. Even though we know that often God uses them for good, they can be really hard. But sometimes they can be the thing that steals our faith, that makes us walk a little bit stronger, a little bit more upright on our journey with Jesus. But I think in general, we spend way, way more time on the journey in between mountaintop experiences and valley experiences. So that makes sense. We spend way more time just kind of living normal life, not like up there, not down, just kind of normal life. Do you agree? Like, that's really where we spend most of our time. And I think that the flat road experiences, I think that they can be challenging in their own ways, especially when you've just come off the back of a mountaintop experience, when that's right behind you and that's what you're comparing everything to, the flat road experience can be tricky in its own way. So that's what I want to share in a little bit tonight. 
Let's jump to a story that's very, uh, it's very important to me, uh, and it's been very important in my journey with Jesus. Uh, it's one verse long, so good news for those of you who aren't big readers, only one verse long. Uh, it's in Matthew 9, and um, Matthew was written by Matthew, so that's cool. Um, and Matthew was one of the disciples. And actually, the story we're going to read in Matthew, he really just writes about Jesus' life and what happened and what he taught. And uh, But he also also writes about how he came to be following Jesus in the first place. And in Matthew 9, 9, it says this, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said. So Matthew got up and followed him. I love this story because I'm a bit of a simple man and it's a simple story and it makes sense to me. Jesus said, let's go. And he was like, okay, let's go. Does that make sense, right? It's pretty basic. So here's the question. Here's one question I have for you about this story. I'm going to give you two minutes to talk to the person next to you. Because although it's a very simple story, I think there's one very important question that is very confusing. Why on earth did Matthew go? This is before Jesus has done all of this, like heaps of stuff. Jesus is relatively new to Jesus. Why do you think Matthew left his whole life behind? Why did he go? Talk to the person next to you. Why would you just get up and follow someone? Does anybody think they've got a definitive answer? Anybody knows exactly what the answer is? Anyone? Matthew, you're a Matthew. Do you know why Matthew went? No. You do? He didn't like his job. Oh, I'm going to have to tell you something about his job in a second. Why do you think he went, Chloe? It's going to take me weeks to get over hearing that. All right, quieten down, quieten down, quieten down. Shh. Why did Matthew go? Why did, why did Matthew doesn't even know why Matthew went. Why did Matthew go? I think it can be really easy to jump to like the idea that I'm just, just, just re- rewind, re- rewind on time. We're about to, yeah, okay. Um, just rewind a second. <laughs> I don't have an answer for you. I don't have like a super clear answer. But like those of you who are like find it really annoying in messages when someone asks a question and then like doesn't answer it definitively, that's going to be one of these. So sorry about that. But let's move on. I think it can be really easy to imagine that there's more to this story in one way or another, right? And uh, you've given us a great answer. Maybe he hated his job. Maybe he was in the middle of a valley experience, and that's why he found it so easy to follow Jesus. Or alternatively, because of our experiences with Jesus, we can imagine that maybe, like, camp finished yesterday, and he's in the middle of a mountaintop experience, and Jesus walks out right in front of him, and he goes, Oh, and there's angels, and there's, like, things with the horns, and there's, like, sun shining down, and I don't know, the clouds part, and I don't know what happens. We can imagine that it's this like mountaintop experience. 
And the truth is we, we don't know that much. We do know a little bit more about Matthew, though. He was a tax collector. Uh, that might sound very boring because it's quite a boring job these days. I'm sure the people who do it are lovely, but I imagine it's quite a boring job. Um, but here's the thing about tax collectors in Jesus' time. Here's, here's the thing about Matthew. He had, like, no friends. He was like scum. People hated the tax collectors back then because their country had been taken over by the Romans and the tax collectors worked for the Romans. And the way that tax collecting worked then, it, like, wasn't a job. It wasn't like, uh, you know, the Romans tell me that Jesse owes them $1,000. I go to Jesse and be like, hey, I'm the tax collector. Give me $1,000 and I'll give it to the Romans. It was different to that. A, tax collectors had to start wealthy because what they actually did was pay the taxes to the Romans in advance. It made the Romans' life easier. If I was a tax collector and Jesse owed the Romans $1,000, I would have already paid them the $1,000. That's how I got my job or my right to be a tax collector. And so then you might think that step two was go and ask Jesse for his $1,000, but tax collectors were awful, awful people. And they would go to Jesse and they would say, you owe me $2,000 in taxes. And they got very, very rich and had not many friends at all. And that was what being a tax collector was all about. They were looked down on. So why would Matthew think he was even worthy to follow Jesus? Why would he even say yes? Why wouldn't he shrink back into his tax collector's booth and go, no, obviously I'm not the right person to come and follow you. And as I've already said, they were not just scum. They were rich scum, like beyond your wildest, you know, imagination kind of rich. Why leave that to go follow this teacher he doesn't even have a car. He's just walking around. Why would you go follow him? Maybe it wasn't a mountaintop experience or a valley experience. I want to just present the idea. And again, I don't know. I don't know. But I want to present maybe in this story, maybe we can picture it being a flat road experience, an everyday experience. What would that have looked like. No angels, no shining light from heaven, none of that. Why would Matthew leave everything to follow Jesus? This story is only one verse long. He doesn't even really get famous from this story. Why would he leave? <laughs> I've got a theory. I've got a theory. And my theory is there's two parts to it. The first part is that Jesus wasn't just a random who walked up and was like, hey, follow me. Can you imagine, and I really hope you say you wouldn't go, if somebody walked up to you on the street and said, hey, follow me. Don't go! Anyway, Matthew, Matthew had already heard about Jesus. Jesus wasn't a stranger. This wasn't a sudden random stranger on the street. Matthew had heard about Jesus. He'd heard about Jesus in the newspaper, on TikTok, whatever was big back then, right? Matthew had heard about Jesus. He knew some of what Jesus was teaching. He knew some of the things that Jesus had been doing. And then number two, he didn't just hear about Jesus. He then met him as well. He met him and he was who he said he was. And so Matthew said, okay, I'll follow you. And I like to imagine it being an everyday flat road part of the journey. That he'd heard about it, and he met Jesus, and then he made up his mind. 
And then in ancient times, as I said, Jesus was just walking around. Matthew got up and physically started following Jesus around the countryside and recording what he did. Now, why would I imagine the story going that way? Because it's much easier to picture it as a crazy supernatural mountaintop or valley experience. Like, it's much easier to picture, like, kind of a better reason to give up your whole life and go follow Jesus, I suppose. Like, if life was already hard or you just had a really spiritual experience. But the reason I picture it this way is because... This has kind of been how my journey of faith has gone. I'd heard about Jesus from others. I'd grown up in church and I'd been invited to youth and other events. And I'd heard that Jesus' life could intersect mine. Maybe like Jesus intersected with your life over camp. But I'd also heard that it didn't have to be in like a sort of casual, every now and then kind of way. I'd heard it didn't have to be this up and down you know, feel good, feel bad kind of story that I'd experienced up until that point. And then I started having some interactions with Jesus, not on the mountaintop, not on the valley, but actually on all the days in between. Like when I decided to give Jesus a bit of a proper go in my life when I moved schools in year nine and said, I'm not going to be ashamed to say I'm a Christian and talk to my mates about it. I didn't have to turn into a weirdo. Uh, I did, not about the Jesus thing, but that's just a totally different thing. I didn't have to do that to tell my mates about Jesus. Or when I quit the job that I had and that I loved and that I'd wanted since I was 14 because I felt like God was calling me to something else. Or like when I decided to go back to school against all advice to study theology, <laughs> even though I could not really afford to do that. Here's what I want you to take away from this story. Although I have had mountaintop experiences that I remember and that are important in my faith journey, and I've had valley experiences that I want to forget but that are important in my faith journey, those three important things that led me to being right here tonight were decisions I made on the road in between the mountaintops and the valleys. Just like Matthew made one choice to follow Jesus, but then had to keep making a choice every day to keep on following him. That is part of what the journey of following Jesus is like. And you know, maybe it has a little bit less emotion in it. But my experience of the road in between the mountaintops and the valleys is not that it's worse. It's not that your life is getting worse or that your spiritual connection is going down with Jesus. It's actually the spot where your faith can set in, where you can see amazing things happen around you in the midst of your day-to-day -day life. The camp story, what God did in your life, is not over because camp is over. You can make the choice every single day to keep on following Jesus and make the most of the road in between the mountaintops and the valleys. So here's the thought that I want you to take away and think about. Camp is over for now. Oh, that's sad. 
But what is your flat road experience going to be? When you have to go back to school again this week, what is your flat road experience going to be? Is it going to be like it's been in the past where Jesus really has nothing to do with your life until the next mountaintop experience or the next valley? Or is it going to be a flat road that's marked by Jesus? What would that look like? What do you have to change? What would you do differently if Jesus could have as much say in your life over the next six months as you gave him during the night rallies on camp? What would be different if you followed Jesus every single day? We're going to keep on talking about the flat road this term, I think, because I think it can be tricky. I think it can be easy to get derailed while you're on it. But you know, as for me, this is what I want to leave you for as the band starts again is, here's what I want to be written in my book. If Matthew followed me around and he was going to write a story about what Sinjin did, no matter whether I was on the mountaintop or whether I was in the valley, and especially while I'm traveling on the flat roads in between, what I would want written in the book about Sinjin's life is, Jesus said, follow me. And Singe got up and followed Jesus.